I learned from that to say, don't assume, just listen. I expected to hear, give us more time off, let us work from home, give us less expensive health care. And what we really got was much more person-driven and a complete surprise. So I, I stopped assuming after that. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, Make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that, quite frankly, often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My guest on this episode is Joe Morgan. He's currently the Executive Director of HR at Middlesex County College. He's worked in both a corporate and academic setting and says there's a clear difference between both. Joe also understands employees wanting flexible work options. And he says, with the COVID-19 pandemic, more companies will offer these kinds of options. Let's dive right in. Joe Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you for spending your Friday afternoon with me on Who's Who in HR. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. We're going to have some fun. If you don't mind, give the audience a quick synopsis of uh, who you are, your background, and uh, then what I'd love to do is talk a little bit more about you as a person and really get into the nuts and bolts of your area of expertise. Sure. So my role is the Executive Director of Human Resources here at Middlesex County College, or MCC for short. The college's mission is really centered around providing a quality education to a diverse population, supporting our students' success, and strengthening the county community. It's a really fantastic place to work. and It's inspiring to me how everyone's focus here is centered around that mission. Our HR team is responsible for the day-to-day HR functions, of course, as well as we participate in the larger college strategy and vision. Hmm. How is making the transition from being on a corporate side into academia? So for me, it wasn't too bad because before uh, my last position, I worked at another university in New Jersey. So I had a little bit of a background in the academic sphere, which is much different than working in in a corporate or a political environment. So it was not too bad for me, but it definitely, when you see folks start here for the first time at a college or university, when they come from outside of that sphere, that takes a little bit of a learning curve. But overall, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The purpose of the work and seeing the student success and going to the commencement and seeing everyone working so hard to, to support our students, uh, that's a big part of the desire to even work for, for me. That's great. Well, you guys also have an HR program, and there aren't too many of these out there. So we have, uh, within our management 
degree, uh, associate's degree, a course in the HR area, which I taught last semester on campus, on campus for the most part until the pandemic hit. So that was really great. You could see, you know, just how the mission ties to the work we do by, by doing that and putting myself in, in the shoes of someone else uh, teaching that course. That's great. That's great. So about you, I got a couple uh, questions I'd like to rapid fire at you to give the listeners a better handle or a better feeling about you as a person. And then from there, we'll kind of go into like the main segment of the show. So uh, with that said, I love to find out if people are introverts, extroverts, or if they kind of fall in between in that or what, what some people call an ambivert or a centrovert. So I think that's an easy one for me to answer. I've always been an extrovert, classic textbook definition prefer social gatherings. I always like to be around large groups of friends. I typically talk out any issue, whether it's at work or outside of work, without having to uh, butt heads. So I've always considered myself to be an extrovert. Great. How has that benefited you, no pun intended, in your, in your field? I think it helps when you're, when you're an extrovert, and that's not to, to denounce anyone who isn't, of course, that you can really collaborate and you're open to collaboration. And that's really been much more the norm than, than in years past as we've gone on in the HR field. There's always a need now to collaborate, not just internally, but we do a lot of benchmarking and a lot of meeting and networking with other uh, HR areas outside of the college, whether it's other colleges and universities, whether it's professional organizations in the HR sphere across the state or in the region. So when you have that openness to be able to network and coordinate with others and lean on best practice from others, that can only help. So that's, that's how it's helped me. Great. So if I was to get into your car right now, what radio station would be on? So it would have been baseball if we weren't in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Typically, I listen to baseball all summer, no matter who's playing when I'm in the car. But uh, since that's not an option, I have the Tom Petty radio channel on standby with Sirius XM. I'm always listening to that, especially the concerts, some of them which I remember going to. So I like to leave that channel on. Man, I've never seen Tom Petty live and I heard he's fantastic. Yeah, he was. I mean, I've seen him maybe 15 times over the years and he's the best. He was the best. It was sad when he passed. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And it's so interesting that you bring up Sirius. So just this morning, someone was telling me about Sirius. And, and prior to that, I didn't know if anyone outside of the Howard Stern fans really still use Sirius. So I, I guess Sirius is uh, alive and thriving. Yep, it's still around. All right. Uh, hey, tell me a habit that you have, something good, bad, or indifferent. I'll give you one that's probably closer to bad than good. I, I find myself, I over-rely myself on email and texts, especially as the years have gone by. I find myself sending texts while sending emails and Every once in a while now, I've been making a conscious effort to just stop doing that, putting the phone down, closing the laptop, and either calling someone or pre-COVID walking over to their office or going for a cup of coffee and talking about issues on the way to the coffee bar. So that's, to me, something, a habit that I've been trying to break is let's actually meet face-to-face. Let's meet and, and talk about issues as opposed to sending back these long chains of emails uh, over days and weeks. I am so with you on that. That is such a breath of fresh air to hear, by the way. And gosh, I can't wait for those days to be back. <laughs> yeah, I met, I met someone actually virtually earlier this week who works. We have a pretty big campus. 
so we don't get to all the buildings all the time. So I met someone who I've talked to on the phone for about a year now, virtually on Zoom, realized I had no idea what he looked like, even though I've talked to him weekly for, for a year. And it dawned on me, he, his building is maybe a three-minute walk away. And I said, why don't I ever just go over there and talk to the guy? Why does it take a pandemic and Zoom for me to actually you know, be face-to-face with someone? So I'm, I'm really trying to work on that as a personal development. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that's a great thing to do, and I hope more people do that. And I actually think that is going to happen because this is really brought to the forefront as, as individuals we crave. We're tribal. And what's really interesting is now a lot of people want to do Zooms, to, again, to see people which is uh, interesting. I, I actually prefer a phone call than actually to than a Zoom. I am craving people. I got to admit it. So, Joe, what's something that most people don't know about you that you're going to be kind enough to share with us today? I'll give you one. Uh, in college, I changed majors five times. It was an education major. I thought I was going to be a teacher. Then I switched over to history. I moved to accounting general business, and then I finally landed on business management. So <laughs> I finally made up my mind and stuck with it, and I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I got your beat. I did it. I changed six times. Ah, uh, you win. You win. <laughs> no, I lose. That wasn't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wasn't. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've written a lot of checks over the years. <laughs> what, <do> you mean? <laughs> uh, what was the last thing that made you laugh? So some of my coworkers and I, we are trying to multitask in working from home while also being teachers who I have a profound respect for more so now than ever. So while we've been working remotely, and like, like you mentioned, Zoom, we use it a ton here to meet uh, one-on-one or in small groups. Uh, some of the cameos from my son and some of my, my co-workers' kids have been pretty, pretty fantastic. So those little cameos from our, from our little two-, three-, four-year-olds have been uh, the most recent things to make me laugh. <laughs> those are good. That is the beauty of youth. And I, I got to tell you, that's been great. That has been another nice thing to come of this is that I feel like it's really relaxed the business environment. doesn't matter who you are. Everybody was trapped for a long time. And most people have families, you know, and that's the reality. We're all the same. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. So uh, it's, really, it's been like an equalizer. And I've, I've seen a really a lot of positive conversations come of this and people feeling a lot more are closer to some of their managers because you're seeing their human side that you don't necessarily see when you're you know, in an office setting or just, I guess, a traditional professional environment. So let's transition back over to your work. As a head of HR, you have to wear a lot of hats, right? A ton of different hats that you're wearing. Is there one of these hats in particular that would be your superpower? I wouldn't say any of those uh, different roles or hats would be a, a superpower. I'd lean more in a different direction, say collaboration is where I try to start with any, any project or initiative. I think the more often that we can accomplish as a team, we can do a lot more than if we're working in silos. So it's always been my opinion that whether it's within HR or if we're collaborating between different areas of the, of the college or the business, my mind always starts with who's on the team, who can develop by being part of this team. And I never really tend to think of assigning individual work where, where I can have a team uh, provide different diverse aspects to it. Mm, that's a good answer. Now, thanks to COVID, this whole world has changed. Some of the things that we were talking about earlier. 
How has this affected just the total rewards function? And I'd love to get your perspective being that you're from two different perspectives, from a corporate standpoint as well as academia. Probably in more ways than we can even figure out yet as we, as we go until we have a time to really slow down and, and map out the lessons we learned from all of this. But I think the obvious would be a, a shift to working remotely. A lot of employees may have been apprehensive to try working remotely or working from home. Uh, in many cases, it's become part of their routine the past two, three months. So I could see a lot of employees wanting to continue remote work in some capacity, even if it never dawned on them that they would want to try it in the first place. The organizations that have been behind in adopting certain flexible work arrangements in the past, they're going to have to ramp up that effort in order to compete and retain talent and uh, flexible work policies. They're going to need a fresh look due to COVID, whether it's remote work, whether it's flexible scheduling, whether it's compressing work weeks or even job sharing. I think a lot of those policies and employers' positions on if they want to offer those types of benefits under the total rewards umbrella, uh, that's going to be critical post-COVID. Mm. And, and it's funny, that something that you and I had talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago was, was job sharing. And that's a relatively new term or function here in the U.S. Can you elaborate on that? Do you know much about that? Yeah, and that's something that's going on now a lot as employers are trying to avoid laying people off by furloughing them instead and sort of sharing jobs across multiple part-timers doing the same function. So having a program like job sharing where we can have part-time employees do the job of one full-time, it has a lot of benefits, you know, both for the employer and the employee, uh, recruitment, retention of employees, for example, who may not want to work full-time. That taps you into an invaluable market for talent. There's a lot of evidence out there that shows with job sharing, you actually get more engagement, more productivity than you would with one full-time person who may be stretched too thin or may not have a desire to even work full-time. Uh, for employees, they want a part-time schedule as part of their work-life balance. I think job sharing is a key part of the total rewards menu, as we call it, uh, especially in organizations that as part of their value propositions to their employees tout work-life balance. So if you're touting work-life balance as a key part of your of your value proposition to your employees. I think job sharing is one of those keys that have to be there. So, so in, from a job sharing standpoint, how, how does that, is that something that organizations do tout or you think they will start touting this job sharing as, as an option, as a benefit to being part of this organization? And then I guess, are you still able to get benefits? Because don't you have to work a certain amount of hours in order to get benefits? Well, that's a company decision. So if they want to offer part-time employees benefits, they can. I remember when I was in college and I was working at a Starbucks as a barista, um, five o'clock in the morning every day to get by. A lot of the staff who worked at the Starbucks were there because they only needed to work 20 hours a week by corporate policy to qualify for some form of health insurance. Hmm. And it was, uh, I was in management track at the time in my undergraduate studies. And I related to that, my coursework saying, I always thought, like you mentioned, I always thought you had to be a full-time career employee to get some kind of healthcare plan for yourself and your family. Starbucks was a perfect example that, and that was 20 years ago or more, that you could be creative 
and you can get great talent to work for you and be engaged with you if you get creative and you listen to what people want and provide. Hmm. What are other creative benefits that organizations, either if they're offering now or you foresee being offered coming down the pike? One that's interesting to me that I've read about, uh, you see a lot of it in startups, is sort of the ability to take these long leave of absences without having a fear of having to go through some onerous HR process about applying for medical leave, <clears throat> adequate, whatever the case may be. I've seen a lot of folks who I've worked with, I can remember one in particular who I was good friends with, wanted to take a very long vacation, had the resources, had the, had the ability only hurdle was the work. Would I be able to come back? Would I lose any seniority, my union, that kind of thing? So having that ability to take time off in a flexible way, that really resonates with me. So I used to own an executive search firm and I had a client that was a hedge fund and it wasn't a known, They obviously a lot of these hedge funds try to stay under the radar, but it wasn't like one of the big brand hedge funds. But the way that they won a lot of their top talent was through a program that they offered. After four years of being employed, you took a mandatory, I think it's four or five month sabbatical. And that was a huge selling point for the organization that they said that that was, that's really what won over the majority of their top talent was just that program. I talked with someone I know in HR at the company he worked at once at a program for one month a year, the employees would work anywhere they want. So they did have flexible work arrangements as it was, compressed work weeks, remote uh, connectivity. So they had plenty of flexibility already. They would carve out this one month in the year where employees would literally get all the equipment and all the resources they needed to pick up and work anywhere on the globe. So if they wanted to go work in Japan for a month, if they wanted to stay in their basement for a month, go down to their uh, vacation home or whatever they wanted to do, they could do it no matter what role you had, no matter what level of the organization. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> that is great. Now, did they? this is something they were thinking about or this is something that they rolled out? That was something they rolled out to great success. All right, that was going to be my next question. Okay, so what types of success? I mean, that sounds like a phenomenal program. I mean, I can just think of so many people that would suck up 11 months of the year just to be able to have that one month. And why aren't more organizations doing something like that? Are, are there any drawbacks to it? That drives engagement. So that's, that's the win. It really drives the engagement with your employees to have something that's so creative that if they want to take advantage of it, I'm sure plenty of people would, that you have the sort of the ability to offer it. You have the courage to offer something like that. I think a lot of places don't do it because they just don't either have the resources or they're not wanting to take the risk of, of being that, that courageous to offer something so revolutionary, but there's definitely, definitely benefit to it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Oh, okay. What do you see as the future of, of total rewards and how, how does it relate to this new generation that's in the workforce? That's a really interesting question. There's all, all you have to do is go on Google and see all kinds of articles and studies and papers that's about this new generation of what workers want. They want flexibility. They want work-life balance. They want to relate to the values of their employer. And that's clear. We know that. That's, that's the truth. What I find interesting when it comes to the future, as you put it, the total rewards, 
are the results that we get back in HR when we do things like conduct engagement surveys or hold employee focus groups. And several times when we've done those, I've been surprised about the feedback we get maybe not being what we expected. Give me an example. Yeah, I'll give you an example of uh, one one place I worked, we had a pretty even split of employees uh, who on one side of the equation spent their entire career there. They were there from entry level all the way into retirement. And then on the other hand, you had a lot of relatively new employees. So there was a little bit of a divide there culturally. And then when we surveyed engagement, I remember that we had a lot of assumptions on what we get back. We thought we knew or we could forecast pretty well what those results were going to be. And they turned out to be really eye-opening. The newer employees, I remember, their focus was so much on culture, they wanted to connect with the employees who were more senior in the organization. A lot of them raised their hand and said, I want to really understand the culture here. I want to ingrain myself in the culture. I want to collaborate with people I can learn from professionally. And then surprisingly enough, the more senior employees had a very similar feedback on those focus groups and engagement surveys where they said they wanted to participate in mentoring programs. They wanted to impart that wisdom that they'd, they'd accumulated through all the years in their career. And that, was, that wasn't even our radar. So I stopped assuming. and I learned from that to say, don't assume, just listen. I expected to hear, give us more time off, let us work from home, give us less expensive health care. And what we really got was much more person-driven and a complete surprise. So I, I stopped assuming after that. Huh, that's a great takeaway. When it reminds me of a, a quote that, and I'm sure I'm going to butch this quote, but you'll get the genesis of it, that uh, success doesn't make a culture. It's the culture that uh, drives success. That's, that's absolutely true. I, you can't even debate that. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah. So talk to me, if you could go back to any time and give yourself professional advice, what would that be? I'd go back in time very frequently and give myself one very consistent piece of advice and it would be slow down. Mm. A habit of running way too fast when we start a project and you're by that work and just starting to go as fast and and furious as possible. So I have to keep reminding myself, slow down, set your priorities, set your objectives, do your research and don't, you know, rush to the finish line. A manager I, I used to work for when I first started out in my career had a really good piece of advice that I've, I've kept to this day. She told me, take a post-it note, and just write slow down on it. And that way, when you're typing away at a hundred words a minute, flying through articles and you're, you're not even really digesting the information that you need to learn, that post-it note's right there to remind you to say, take a breath. It's all there. Just slow down. That's excellent. I was uh, actually just telling somebody the other day that I had on the, on the show that we, you know, we're talking about, she's in the, the total reward space and talking about wellness and the importance of meditation and slowing things down. And I had a, a friend that had just gone through one of these, you know, one of these meditation challenges. And last weekend, what he did is he just took me to the pier here in Hoboken and him and I just sat in chairs. We just sat in these folded chairs and we just in for like two hours and we just watched and we just slowed down. Anytime I went to talk, he would, he would say, oh, 15 more minutes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, uh, and it was pretty amazing. I got to tell you, it was extremely hard to do, but I definitely get where you're going, the importance of, of doing that and reflection. 
So thank you for that share. Outside of your family, who's had the biggest impact on your career? I've had some really good mentors over the years. I won't name them, but I don't want to embarrass them. But I've had some, I've been very fortunate to have people who cared about you know, my career, me as a person at work throughout the years. The type of managers who give you the opportunities, even if it might be a stretch, and let you run with them. So to me, that's really important, getting where you want your career is having good people supporting you and championing for you. And I've always tried to pay that forward and remember those people. And now that I can do the same, wanting to make sure that I do the same for others. That's great. Is, is that one of the allures of being in the world of academia? Oh, yeah. It's a much more close-knit work environment, I'd say, than others. So there's definitely a more human factor than maybe a global or a multinational sort of environment. So as we wind down here, I got one more question for you. And I'm a big fan of quotes. God, I love quotes for so many reasons. But I'm going to read a quote to you, and I'd like to get your perspective or what this quote means to you, if anything. Ready? Go for it. All right. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. It's a Benjamin Franklin quote. That's a good one. That means, yeah, as an HR team, whether it's a college like ours or a big company, we need to prioritize planning and strategy, even when it's inconvenient for us. So there's always going to be more work in the immediate that can be done in any week. We know that. We can't get everything done that we're tasked to do in any given day. We know we'll never have as many resources to do everything. So if you accept that, you still carve out time to whatever it is, benchmark best practices or read or, or network with colleagues in the space. It's really important to carve out that time. And that lets us in HR also be a champion of change. So when we do that for ourselves, we can preach that mantra to others. So I think that's really important is not to lose sight of that. The work is always going to be there, but there's other things that we need to focus on as well. Great. That's right. I try to tell people to understand the difference between busy and important. And uh, to your point, a lot of that busy work is going to be there. Think about the bigger picture and understand what it is that's important. And, You're never going to interview anyone on this podcast who's going to say, I've got all the resources I need and we're, we're <laughs> things to do. So it's always going to be there. So I always, we take Fridays. I, I had a friend who worked at a company where he would tell me, whether they're policies or practices was no meetings on Fridays. You could not have a meeting on Friday. It was against the unwritten rules. And they would take those Fridays as almost professional development days. They would breach that as part of their corporate uh, direction. They would say, here's the videos on how to learn the soft skills. Here's the trainings you can go to on technical skills. And they would push that on Fridays because they were able to say, you're not having these long drawn out meetings you know, it's, it's so funny. And I'm assuming that went over well. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So my wife, she works for Viacom and she drowns in meetings every, all the time. Every day complains about how many meetings she had. So just last week they implemented, I guess it's just not her. <laughs> and they implemented company-wide no meetings. And I don't know if that's going to become a, a weekly or bi-weekly event, but uh, it sure afforded her the opportunity to do a lot of catch up and, and also just kind of keep a clear head and kind of work on her own schedule. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that as well. 
I like the professional development days too, where we carve out time, even if it's quarterly or twice a year and say, this is going to be the day of the month, the day of the quarter where we're going to block out the calendars and we're going to give options for training and development. Uh, however, whichever part of that menu you want to pick from, this is the day where we're shutting everything else down and we're going to use it for professional development. The places I've seen that have that, that's always been well received. Well, as an owner of a company that does training and development, I'm a big fan of that policy too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you one thing before I let you go is, uh, do you know what the biggest room in the world is? No, go ahead. It's the room for improvement. There so, you go. <laughs> I'm going to steal that. Go for it. It's all yours. I took it from someone. I don't even remember the source. <laughs> Joe Morgan, thank you so much for spending your Friday afternoon with me and us, whoever that is that's listening and uh, sharing all of your wisdom. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Adam. I had a great time. I appreciate it. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise. Network Wise.